So I see meditation as first base, you know? <laughs> you know, like, if you're gonna get naked with someone and merge with them at the deepest space of merging that's Do possible in this human incarnation, like, get intimate outside mm. of the bedroom first. To get present with pleasure and pain mm. instead of avoiding it, right? It's like, people try to find solution to pain. It's, it's like, it's always gonna be in the flow of life. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back down the rabbit hole. I am your host, Monty Hook. In this episode, I talk with Chantelle Raven, a Tantra teacher and practitioner who has been teaching in the field of human development for 20 years. After developing cancer at age 31 and using Tantra as a way to heal herself, Chantelle has dedicated her life to teaching these healing arts to others. We went deep down some rabbit holes on Tantra and practices that can deepen the relationships within ourselves. We discussed how, for us to change the world, we need to first awaken this deep love within ourselves. And Chantel gives us the answers on exactly how to go about that. Guys, self-healing is hands down the most powerful tool we can have in this lifetime. I speak this from experience. That's why this was a very important and powerful conversation. Definitely stay tuned for this one. Guys, head on over to www.montyhook.com and get free access to my ebook, The Exponential Entrepreneur. Abraham Lincoln was quoted as saying, give me six hours to chop down a tree and I will spend the first four sharpening the ax. This is a concept I've been obsessing over for the past five years. How to scale your business and actually take on more projects, all whilst working less and living a life you love. I'm now very fortunate to have multiple businesses that all run without me, and I spend my days sharpening the axe. That's doing things that I love, like surfing, working on my spiritual practice and health, learning, and doing podcasts. So if you are an entrepreneur and you are interested in the strategies required to scale your business, but with you actually working less, and most importantly, cultivating a life of spiritual abundance and freedom, then head on over to www.montyhook.com and get free access to the ebook now. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back down the rabbit hole. I'm Monty Hook and I'm your host. And today I'm joined in the studio in Bali by Chantelle Raven. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me in the studio. Um, real pleasure to have you here. Uh, it's really wonderful to meet a lot of uh, inspiring people in Bali, especially this year, 2020. Mm -hmm. It seems like my observation is there's just really good people left here. There's mm -hmm. like a lot of riffraff have kind of disappeared out of mm -hmm. Bali. And there's really good quality people doing really amazing high level things in Bali. And uh, you're no different from what I understand. So tell me, what are you, uh, what are you known for? Tantra. Yes. I'd say, I guess. Tantra. So <laughs> how did you, how did you, um, first of all, for, for a, a numpty like me, explain Tantra? Because like for anybody who doesn't know 
you know, the depths of Tantra mm-hmm. and how that is, it's not just about sex, it's about all of life. But for mm-hmm. somebody who is uneducated, mm-hmm. like me, mm-hmm. they might think, oh, you know, Tantra is a sex thing, mm-hmm. right? But mm-hmm. it's not. So the sex get, gets emphasized because it's the only spiritual tradition that brings sexuality into practices, spiritual practice. Right. But, yeah, it's about every facet of the human experience. Yeah. And it's really... So if you can imagine that every spiritual path you've been exposed to, Tantra includes all of that. Mm. So meditation, personal development, creating the life of your dreams, being able to feel and witness your emotions rather than going into impulsive, compulsive behavior and addictions. But then it also says, hey, so... We can connect to source through meditation and through all of these things of remembering who we are. And we can also connect to source or spirit or God, whatever mm. you want to call it, through relationships and through sexuality. Yeah. And it's, it's such a beautiful component of Tantra. And I feel like a lot of spiritual traditions, the practices have been developed by men for the masculine. Mm. And Tantra takes a much more feminine approach where we're going, okay, so living in the world with your family, having relationships, having sex, enjoying the juiciness of life, exploring sensuality in the senses, is is that too a path to God, a mm. path to awakening? Absolutely. Oh, that's nice. Very <laughs> cool. So how did how did you how did you dis- discover this? Have you always been doing? No, so I grew up with a very esoteric father. He was somewhat of a personal development coach and EFT practitioner, emotional freedom. Very lucky to have that in your life. Very lucky. He was also, he had his own building company. So he had his feet in both worlds. Like he was multimillionaire, doing very well in the in the business world and then spirituality was always fueling that and he was bringing that in and then later in life he kind of left a lot of that behind and just started practicing EFT um so yeah I was meditating from an early age I was exposed to a lot of amazing teachers like you know on the way to school we'd be listening to Wayne Dyer and Miriam Williamson and Deepak Chopra and he would always encourage me to read books that really expanded my mind um and yeah I mean I, I knew all of the theories around what we think we create and that we're not our mind, we're not our body. And yet there was this kind of pervasive anxiety that followed me around all of my life. And I would, I would often most feel it before I went to sleep or when I woke up first thing in the morning. And I, I felt like, why, why do I still have this? And I would really judge myself for it. Because you have been exposed to so much work and personal developments, like yeah. you shouldn't have that. Yeah. yeah, and I'd do my affirmations and I'd meditate and I'd read more books and, you know, listen to mm. the audios that Dad would give me. And then as I got older, I, so I spent seven years at uni. I did a law degree and then honours in philosophy and then became a Rudolf Steiner teacher. But then I had two kids, so kind of left all of that and focused on bringing up my kids and created a business called Harmonious Mother, Harmonious Baby, which included coaching parents. Mm. And I was also working in sales and training sales teams and bringing personal development into that. So I kind of started feeling like a bit of a fraud. Mm. Like everyone would come to me for for advice from an early age. But you probably had that vein of like personal development and and that sensuality weaving through your work 
Personal just... development, yes. Sensuality, I would say no. no. Okay. Like sexy, yes. You know, from that space of I knew how to put the sexy mm. mask on and performance mask on. But the feminine, the feminine was unfamiliar to me. Mm. And what brought me to Tantra was that when I was 31, I was diagnosed with cervical cancer. And I, I know all about quantum healing and, you know, that if, if we have dis-ease in the body, it's because there's dis-ease energetically and emotionally. So I'm like, all right, something, something's not working that I'm doing, you know, something's off. And I just really opened up to maybe there's something that I'm missing here. And, you know, I, I had a different... I was. Did you not have any insights at that time that it was around that femininity? Like the, no. You didn't understand the depths of that at that time? No, I no. didn't. I hadn't been exposed mm. to teachings around masculine and feminine until time Right, And is that because like the worlds that you were living in were like high performance kind of environments and yeah i mean motherhood certainly brought me more into my feminine but not nowhere near like like tantra because i didn't know how to feel my emotional body i only knew how to witness it Mm. right i didn't know actually how to ask for what i need or vibrate my anger so that i could find healthy boundaries or you know utilize sexual energy to release trauma out of my body i didn't Mm. know any of that so yeah i'm like okay if there's something else, show me. And, you know, I, I'm good at praying, if you want to call yeah. it praying. And I went to pick up my daughter from school. She went to an alternative school, Rudolf Steiner School. And one of, my, one of my friends noticed that my energy was a bit off and said, you know, are you okay? And I told her about the cancer. And she said, oh, I have my ex is in town who's a shaman and he heals cancer using shamanic energetics. Yeah. I'm like, just oh. energy, not plant medicine or anything? No, just mm-hmm. energy and body work. Yep. So I'm like, okay, may as well meet him. And you hadn't done anything like that before? No. I mean, you knew now, about it. now I understand that the basic principle of shamanism is where attention goes, energy flows. Mm. So that was a familiar concept to me. But I didn't know about how energy in the body moves and shifts and that your shamanic infrastructure moves and shifts depending on how empowered you are sexually and emotionally to really vibrate energy through the body but I was about to find out so our first session went for five hours he was like pulling birds out of my shoulders and taking me into all sorts of dimensions and into pain that I had never felt before and basically diagnosed me with anger. Yep. <laughs> he was like, you have a lot of anger. And I'm like, I don't feel angry. And he's like, what about about this or this? And I was very love and light back then. So I was like, oh, I forgive that person and this person. And yeah, just kind of bypassing all of that. Just, but that's just a subtle suppression of what was really lurking. It was a huge suppression. Right. So, yeah, I grew up with a very angry mother and I associated anger with projection and manipulation and shaming and blaming. So I'm like, you don't do that. I pedestaled my father who was like, you know, kind of Buddha Christ incarnate. I've seen him in 43 years, maybe get angry three times. You know, he's, he's very... Grounded. Very zen. And, yeah. and he's, he has a strong witness. But, you know, I've, I've seen in him how not feeling his emotional body and not being connected to his needs has actually created mm. a lot of 
dysfunction in yeah. his life. But I couldn't see that then. You yeah. know, I was just modeling myself on him. So, yeah, as sessions progressed, I realized I am fucking angry. <laughs> I remember one session, he was telling me I was angry and I was, I was saying, no, you know, he's like, just, just try growling. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, I'm not going to growl. I was being very arrogant. And then, but he kept poking me and I was like, you're making me angry. And, and then he kept poking and then I just like let out such a scream. So I found my anger. I actually ended up pushing him to the other side of the room and I'm like, yeah, there's probably some anger in there. There was, yeah, there was a lot. <laughs> Good to get it out. <laughs> Good to get it out. Where does the name um, Chantel Raven come from? I assume there's a story with Raven. That's not your birth yeah, name, Yeah, so I Chantel's assume. my birth name. Yeah. So Raven came, oh, it would have been like eight years ago, only took it on. I think two years ago, I was in Sedona, mm. which is a very, very potent land. Have you been to Sedona? I haven't, but I know about all the vortexes there. And, yeah, amazing. Yeah, it's, it's on my top of my top of my list. Yeah. Uh huh. So yeah. I was on the red rocks of Sedona in this beautiful magical vortex, and Rogelio Rodriguez, this amazing shaman, Native American Indian guy with long black hair, was like drumming and journeying me into this cave. You know, in my imagination, but yeah. we were near the cave, and. Yeah, when I went into the cave, I saw the trifecta or the triple goddess. I saw the Black Madonna, Mother Mary and Mary Magdalene. And there was like jewels everywhere and then a raven came in and sat with me and there was more to the vision than Mm. that. And I didn't know that this was a journey to find my name. But then when I came out of it, he said, what did you see? And then he said, your name is Raven. And there's another name, which I don't know. But you only embraced embraced it two years ago. Yeah, because when I looked up what Raven meant Mm. and felt the resonance of that, I didn't feel like I held that. And I also didn't want to take that responsibility on. Like the name Raven for me is really about the capacity to be able to be in the transpersonal Mm. in a lot that I do and see much much wider, which means less selfishness. And yeah. I wasn't quite ready for that. And also a an authentic connection to mysticism that I have now that I didn't have then. Yeah. So, I, I mean, some people will be watching this and listening to this going, what are you, what are you wackos talking about? Right, but right. I'm, I'm, I, I love this kind of, I love this kind of stuff. So, uh-huh. and I, I mean, the thing that I, that I, uh, that I am hearing from you in terms of what, the way you're describing Tantra is that, it's a it's an all-encompassing thing right it's not like just i think the way that we view certain tools or things that we do in our life we take it upon as almost a separate thing it's like okay well fitness is like it's something that i do at this time of the day and it's like a tool that i use or sex or whatever people kind of have these weird relationships rather than all these things just being weaved together as part of their life Mm -hmm. right does that Mm -hmm. That sound sound yeah. right, yeah. And the way that you're kind of describing tantra is it's it's a it's it is exactly that, but it's the so go into a bit more of the source of tantra mm-hmm. and like yeah what are the what are the roots of it and mm-hmm. what is like the philosophy I guess of the 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 intention behind tantra. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the ancient scriptures of tantra, so Vigyambara tantra is the main scripture that's 5,000 years years old. And where's that from? India. Yep. And it's it's a collection of meditations and it's a conversation between Shiva and Parvati. 
So they're two deities. So the tradition of Tantra is very connected to gods and goddesses. So we have these deities who are archetypes that we can access and that we can surrender to and devote ourselves to in order to receive their gifts. And deity worship is so Lakshmi, for instance, who's huge here, or Ganesh, right? They're, they're both deities. And if you gaze upon them and you give them offerings and you surrender to them, then it's believed that you receive their gifts. Mm. And the way that I practice deity worship is I'll spend 30 days with one deity and chant the mantra that goes with that deity and really start to feel closer and closer to that god or goddess Mm. until I feel at one with that god or goddess and realize that they're a reflection of me and I have those same superpowers. And this is what I was going to ask you because I I think where people people's relationship with god or source or whatever it is that they believe in they believe that to be separate to them it's like Mm -hmm. like people talk about the law of attraction it's like okay well they put power in the law or they Mm -hmm. put power in the god Mm -hmm. or whatever Mm -hmm. but like the way you're describing is these gods are just uh analogies for ourselves Mm -hmm. they're just us Mm -hmm. wrapped up into myths or stories Mm -hmm. but they're just us Mm -hmm. so when we can embrace that they are us Mm -hmm. we can get to that point where we can kind of become one with them yeah that is the connection right yeah Yeah. and and you know i can really see it on this land Mm. how connected the women are especially but also the men to lakshmi who's the goddess of abundance and joy and beauty, and there's so much beauty here, mm. you know, and joy, you know, the smiles. So I, I've done a lot of Lakshmi worship since I've been here, and it's so beautiful to feel how alive and potent she is in this land. Yeah. So, yeah, Bharav Tantra, it's over 100 meditations, really, and they're kind of set up like aphorisms, so they can be difficult to understand. But what a lot of people don't know is that, the practices of Tantra, the authentic practices that come from this ancient scripture are so multifaceted. So there's meditations that are similar to Vipassana, where it's just silence, stillness, and witnessing, bringing Shiva into relationship with Shakti or awareness into relationship with the breath and life force energy and just witnessing without judgment, you know, and really holding that space for whatever's arising. And then some of the meditations are to do with the senses and some of them are to do with energetics or connecting with nature or relationships or sex. So there's all of these different aspects and it's unfortunate that so much of the neo-tantra out there is only emphasizing the sexuality component because sex sells and then it gets a bad name or people are missing the point like all traditions, Tantra is rooted in meditation and asks the question, can you, when you're making love, make that love making a meditation by being fully present, mm. totally alive with your experience and sensation so that everything is welcome in that love making? So that if we're making love, Monty, and I'm feeling grief, I can cry. If I'm feeling intense pleasure, if I'm feeling deep love and and it's this journey where you're feeling me Mm. in all of these different ways instead of this goal-oriented, agenda-based sex that we see in pornography or this abstinence, fucked-up viewpoint where, oh, we need to completely not have sex if we're going to be with God, even though sex is what connects us Mm. to the most God-like energy on the planet, a newborn child, and actually creates that. So, uh, 
sex to me is probably the the is one of the things at least that is the most kind of amplifying or the the most um, yeah the most amplifying kind of sensation I guess and there's a lot of taboo around sex and a lot of people and I've dealt with my own insecurities of course um, it's really really common for people just to have a lot of insecurities around sex mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so it sounds to me like that is where the deepest kind of work can occur because mm-hmm. if you can do it in that realm mm-hmm. then that very easily just kind of expands and you actually solve other things in your life that are kind of rooted in the same place right mm-hmm. yeah. yeah like eros or sexual energy leads to gnosis plato said you know gnosis is truth because when love is that present anything that's not love shows up to be healed You know, when you're actually merging with another being, Mm. even if you don't practice Tantra at all and you are just pounding and going for the ejaculatory sneeze, there's still a depth of intimacy that we Mm. don't usually feel in our ordinary life. So especially for women, it brings up a lot of trauma, it brings up abandonment, it brings up the longing to actually just it heightens whatever's lurking beneath the surface yeah, yeah. and and you or know or that could be the, the the pleasure or the pain or whatever's there right yeah, yeah exactly so so without meditation you can't practice tantric lovemaking mm. because if you're not growing in your capacity regularly to be with sensation and experience without running off with the mind's analysis about it without going into the future or the past then how are you supposed to be in a space of presence when you're making love. So I see meditation as first base, you know, (laughs) and then second base is really being able to engage in foreplay out of the bedroom, you know, actually connect at the hearts, have real Mm. conversations, take the masks off. It's so ironic that, you know, literally we're all having to wear masks at the moment because it's such a metaphor for the masks that we wear, right? So what's it like to sit before someone and engage in real intimacy? And Tantra has beautiful communication practices where we can get deeper so that before making love, you know, I'll just use you as an example again, like before we made love, imagine if we actually sat down and said, okay, what does this relationship actually mean? And get on the same page a little bit because that causes so much shit when the woman's thinking, oh, you know, we're going to end up in a relationship. The man's just wanting a one night stand. So just that conversation alone can take sex off the cards, which is a good thing. Or it can put sex on the cards with more safety, which is also a good thing. Yeah, And it takes the, you know, it potentially takes the the unhealthy lust out of the way as well because that. That can get in get in the way of you know what's really there and yeah and lust lust is healthy as long as it's you don't abandon heart and consciousness with that so you know what I find a lot is once people once people's eros gets activated or you know they're desiring someone they just get lost here mm. and they're not staying connected to their hearts or their minds and values so having conscious communication before lovemaking is such a game changer. So, you know, after we talk about, all right, what does this mean for both of us? Boundaries. What are your boundaries? What are your desires? What are your fears that are coming up? Mm. Do you have any STIs? You know, like if you're going to get naked with someone and merge with them at the deepest space of merging that's possible in this human incarnation, like get intimate outside Mm. of the bedroom first. Yeah, that's very interesting. Um, What was I going to ask you? Um, 
What does uh, what what do you, what do you see as the the symptoms that are kind of showing up in society? Like especially this year in twenty twenty, mm-hmm. right? There's a lot of truths coming out. There's a lot of shit happening in mm-hmm. the world. There's a lot of um, uh, fear mm-hmm. and people throwing stones and there's all sorts mm-hmm. of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. How much of that is related to what's the relationship between that as a symptom and mm-hmm. what pe- and and what individuals mm-hmm. the individuals in humanity are dealing with inside themselves and how does that relate to the, the thing the kind of thing that we're talking about here? Mm-hmm. So how do what is the work for humanity to do mm-hmm. in terms of Tantra, dealing with their own stuff, mm-hmm. whatever, that is going to help sh- move humanity in a better direction? To get present with pleasure and pain mm. instead of avoiding it, right? It's like people try to find solution to pain. It's, it's like it's always going to be in the flow of life. It's the resistance to pain that creates suffering, you yeah. know, that old, old adage. And pleasure, it's the attachment to pleasure that creates suffering. And people don't know how to just actually be with pain and pleasure. And the, and it's the level to which people can be with their pain is actually the level to which they can be with their pleasure. And so the more that people are numbing themselves to pain. And that's the world we live in now. Uh-huh. We live in a world where we're numb by media, yeah. we're numbed by pharmaceuticals, uh-huh. we're numbed by everything. Uh-huh. And the sad thing is that all of this numbing and the addiction to alcohol and drugs and social media and eating, emotional eating is huge with my clients. Codependency, love addiction, sex addiction, all of that. All of that isn't the problem. The problem is actually what that was trying to solve. Mm. And the problem is always the same. It's the incapacity to be with sensation and experience because we're not fucking taught that. There's nothing in the education system that teaches us how to feel. Or sit, yeah, so sit still. Like, yeah, nobody ever taught me to sit still. Nobody ever taught me to sit still and meditate and be with myself. Uh huh. So we're just taught to be like robots, to receive all this information, which is why there's so much stimulation, and then to feed it back. So it's like we're cut off from there down. Mm. And well meaning teachers and parents. I just keep reinforcing that from a very early age. It's like, you know, you think about it when children are throwing a tantrum or they're getting angry or they're crying, oh, don't worry, don't worry, don't be sad, or go and throw a tantrum over there, and or here, yeah, have a lolly or have something to eat. And it, it starts really young. And it's yeah. like what if when children were upset we could just be present to that and, and loving? Yeah. So what, what do we do as individuals? What does somebody like – I mean, I've done a lot of – personal development and I, I'm you know one of my things that I've come to peace with um, is that I'm going to be doing this forever like mm-hmm. this journey of peeling off layers mm-hmm. goes on forever mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people are not comfortable don't have a good relationship with that because when you start out on this journey you think there's a place to get to mm-hmm. like when I get to this when I mm-hmm. figured this out mm-hmm. well then I'll be able to be like this or I'll do like that or I can have that relationship or whatever mm-hmm. but I found real peace with the idea that no, that just keeps going. Mm-hmm. That just goes on forever. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. then I don't have a relationship with fixing myself. Mm-hmm. Now I have a relationship with just wanting to be better and keep on healing and mm-hmm. it just never ends, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So how do uh, how can people get that healthy uh, relationship with um, 
fixing themselves and help and healing themselves and, and what is what's an easy access not an easy access but you know what's the first advice you give to people um, if you only had five minutes with somebody like mm-hmm. what would you give them I would say awakening or healing is much closer than you think yeah and we feel that it's far away because the mind is so involved right but if we can just take out the agenda to fix if we can stop yeah. all trying, and let ourselves fucking fall apart, right? Let ourselves cry, let ourselves feel, and actually be so present to the sensation and experience in your body, not just from a place of witnessing it, and, you know, you have to grow your witness first, I feel, but not just from that place of witnessing it, but by actually uh, breathing into the body and starting to release the cells from all of that trapped energy that it's accumulated from very early on because those cells that are tight and constricted and that are stopping the flow of life force energy or kundalini energy or, you know, feminine expansion and openness and vulnerability, they're holding on, they're holding on. And if we're just witnessing them, I don't believe, and I think, you know, I was meditating all my life until I found Tantra and, you know, I, I had cancer. So what, what I've come to realize is that until those knots in the body or those cells that are holding on to our rage, our grief, our pleasure that we've also repressed, all of that can start to unravel and be given breath, sound and movement, mm. we can't actually experience true freedom. Yeah, we We're always going to be searching for it and trying to get it. Yeah also trying to get love and love and freedom is what we all want and with awakening comes love and freedom not through someone but experienced as a force that we are and that's actually available to us when we can be lovingly present with what's arising without that agenda and just let it be there and let it vibrate Mm. you know sometimes you just need to fucking shake Sometimes you need to imagine the person that's pissing you off in front of you beat the shit out of the pillow and scream no You know, I had a practice for a good three months of just hitting the pillow and saying everything that I wanted to say to my mother that I didn't have a chance to say to her when I was a little girl. I had another practice where once the memories came up of my sexual abuse, I just said no to my sexual abuser. And, you know, actually my whole physiology began to change. I started looking different. I started feeling different. A lot of my gut issues started healing. I mean, I I still have a bit of a struggle with that. And and I know it's because there's still a part of me that wants to control my reality. You know, my children are in Australia. I can't get home. And that part of me that hasn't come into full acceptance of that is showing up. And I know that whenever I'm experiencing something physical, any kind of dis-ease in the body, there is something underneath that, you know, somewhere where I'm constricted. So I just want to say something about those knots in the body and releasing the tension. If we don't, it's like, you know, just like the laws of attraction, you know, where if you, if you think that everyone's a prick, everyone's going to be a prick. Or if you think your dream man's coming, then, you know, it's going to be more likely, right? It's like these knots in the body hold beliefs. So maybe there there was a knot in my body that experienced a lot of emotional abuse, right? And that knot held the belief that women can't be trusted. Then that's going to get sent out there and Mm. I'm going to attract that so that I can feel that, right? Because the universe always has our back to bring greater integration and healing. 
or, you know, another knot. People always say, why do I attract the same kind of man? And he's always an avoider or men say, why do I always attract psychos? There's a belief in there, right? You can witness it all you want until you actually go in and you feel that belief. Women are fucking crazy or women are going to control me or whatever it is, or men are going to abandon me. And you say, what's underneath that? What's underneath that? And you just, oh, and you feel the pain of that and you feel the tears and you say what you couldn't say then, that knot is going to stay there. Yeah. Yeah, that's really powerful. Um, what's your what's your philosophy around, uh, I'm, I'm really interested in this idea of, you know, every physical ailment that we have, cancer, disease, a broken knee, all of it is mm-hmm. all related to some emotional trauma. What's I your... mean, I, I wouldn't, I think it can go extreme and then people can be like, oh, I'm not spiritual if I'm mm. sick. I think sometimes the body needs to purge and release or, you know, um, where we're, we're going through a fever. I'm not spiritual if I'm sick. I, I, I haven't heard that one before. Oh, yeah. And like I've oh, met really? people who are ashamed if they're sick oh, because okay. that means they've manifested something. Uh, and, yeah. You know, I but, think I mean, sometimes the, we need to have a fever. But we that in itself to... is the opposite of being spiritual because you're not surrendering to any experience and you're just all wrapped up in your head. So A lot of what spiritual people are thinking is spiritual is the opposite to yeah, being exactly. spiritual. Yes. The amount of judgment I see in the spiritual communities is actually ridiculous. Yes. You know, it's the same with religion. Yeah, yeah. You know, okay, we're, we're here to love and embody love, but let's fight anyone who doesn't agree with our principles. And something I do love, another thing I love about Tantra is that it's so inclusive yeah. of every tradition. You know, it synthesizes a lot of the other traditions. So, yeah, but I do believe that there's usually a sign or usually a message in what we manifest physically. So mm. if I hurt myself and I can't get out of bed, it doesn't take rocket science to realise that I probably need to rest and the only way that my body was going to get rest to was, to, was to force it through sickness or falling over or whatever. And then, yeah, the deeper ailments, I believe, really show up because, you know, cells repeat themselves, Right. So if you've got a cell or lots of cells in the body that have got very debilitating beliefs and they're multiplying, yeah. well, what's going to happen? Yeah, and look, this is a hard concept for people to, to grasp and understand. It's mm-hmm. like, no, no, I, I, I stubbed my toe. Like I hit the ground. And, yeah, yeah. You know, so it's a, it's a fascinating conversation. Uh-huh. Um, what's your um, – teach me about Kundalini. Okay, so – Kundalini is something, first of all, that you really need to experience. Mm. It's like a a mother scream when she's contracting and expanding in labor. You know, it's that feeling that you get when you hold your baby for the first time. It's it's the shiver that you have when you're cold and then the release you experience when you're around a fire. It's energy moving in a way that you're experiencing both the contraction and the expansion of this human incarnation at the same time. Mm. And, and it's beautiful, you know? So I guess put more, if I could explain it, it's, it's like coiled energy at the base of the spine. And the more that we're moving and feeling the fluidity of our spine, the more that our Kundalini awakens. And there's lots of practices 
to open Kundalini, but to me it's Shakti. You know, once you're in touch with your feminine, you're feeling everything fully and you're allowing energy to move instead of just being stuck and like being, you know, everyone's walking around like this. Mm. If, if we can relax and allow and let go and let energy move, then, then Kundalini starts to show her face. Yeah. And she's, she's that serpent energy that, that perm, mm. it's like permutations through then, the spine. And then that's something of a doorway or a gateway to even greater power. Yeah, to oneness. I mean, if you, it's kind of when all of the chakras are aligned and spinning and activated, we we come to the third eye and the pineal gland opens and then the crown opens and we're going into the duality of the body with kundalini practices to go beyond duality into that non-dual. So, but that, you know, people who say they've had a kundalini awakening most of the time haven't had a kundalini awakening. They're experiencing tension in the body to such a degree or like a trauma has hit or a strong ceremony where they're feeling like the resistance in their body and the blocks and the expansion at the same time, which is what I was explaining. Yeah. And then that, that tremor happens. Yeah. And yeah, Kundalini is active in those moments, but until our base chakra is spinning and active and we're feeling really safe and grounded in the world, our Kundalini can't awaken until our sexuality, we've released fear, guilt and shame around it and our sacral chakra is really spinning and we're allowing our emotions. We can't, we're, we haven't awakened Kundalini until we've really accessed our power and we can look at our own shit and reflect on what people say about us and stop thinking that the person who's talking to us needs to go to the psychologist or the whole world and actually realise that what the world is reflecting back to us is what we've created and is who we are, then we can't awaken. Yeah. Same with the heart, same with the throat. You know, it's like we need to open all of these aspects of the human experience. And I just did a living tantra retreat with my beloved where, you know, we're really working with a different chakra each day. Mm. And and so by the time we get to the heart and we're looking at communication pr- practices, people can really see how communication mm. can be a meditation where you're actually bringing presence and awareness to truly listening to the other person instead of just being right. You know, and the heart can open to a deeper compassion that's not floaty but that's rooted in practices where we understand how to listen and reflect on what saying, someone's mm. saying and also how to share what we need from a vulnerable well, space. And that's where we, we get a lot of our wisdom for ourselves just from giving the space for other people to, you know, express themselves. And, mm-hmm. yeah. mm. and I can't miss the throat because I feel like the song is the most important part of Kundalini. It's like mm. when the throat chakra is open and we're co-creating with God and we can feel through our body and we can sing and feel our song our individual song and the group song, that's the most beautiful kundalini awakening. Yeah. You know, that's that's where you just go into this spaciousness and just, you know, there's the singer and the listener and the singer and the listener are one and you, you feel that non-dual space. <laughs> Hope I'm not tripping out no, too much. No, 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 I, I, I love it. You obviously have a huge passion for, for what you do. Which is um, which is which is wonderful because you are you're also a very good example of you know what's possible for people in terms of f- finding something that they really love and a and a path and actually like fully embracing that and going you yeah, know this is this is me I'm I'm going to explore this mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people have those feelings but they just they don't follow it you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah so 
that's why I love talking to entrepreneurs who have really um, explored that because mm-hmm. we think at the start of you know our journeys, it's like we've got to, you know, I'm going to be a, a tantra teacher, but then I've got to get this certification, I've got to do this, and then there's all this like I've got to figure this stuff out mm-hmm. rather than just embracing the journey, going on the journey, see, mm-hmm. see where it goes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that, you know, in my 20s when I was much more in the business world, that's really served me. And I think we need both the masculine yeah. and the feminine. So I feel like for global realization to happen and for this world to change from the state of affairs it's in to actually a more open state yep. where we're actually giving people the love that they need and we're trusting each other and we're allowing different opinions and we're experiencing what freedom is actually actually means mm. at an embodied level before that can happen it's like we need we need both we need the masculine structure and logic and reasoning and learning and you know Leadership even corporate and, tools mm. and we need the feminine vision and creativity and flow so at the moment the world is dominated by masculine practices both in the spiritual world and in the mainstream world that's the conditioning it's like okay the the more you can sit in silence and sit like a pretzel and kill your body the more spiritual you are according mm. to a lot of people and you know the less that you're tempted by sensation and relationship and the lower chakras the more spiritual you are and right. it's and it's horseshit it's absolute horseshit the most spiritual person that i will bow to and give the most respect to is the person that can hold their practice when they're making dinner for the kids and the kids are screaming, when they can communicate in those times when their wounds are really being challenged, when they're making love and they don't just give in to that urge to mm. pound and ejaculate yeah, and, and get their clitoral orgasm. And that's why the most spiritual people I know, you wouldn't know as being spiritual because they're not out there going, hey, look at me, I'm you know wearing robes and, and I need you to see me as being spiritual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, there, there is a place for that. And I think the place for that is people who have renunciated the worldly desires. And, you know, like Ramana Maharshi, so many of his teachings are absolutely epic. And a lot of those gurus who wear the robes, you know, much gratitude to them. But we're needing a new wave on yeah. the planet in the spiritual world and in the mainstream world that says, let's take off our masks. Let's start feeling what's really here. Let's start getting honest with ourselves. Let's switch off from all of the stimulation. Let's stop being work addicts who are just trying to get somewhere all the time and actually experience the most beautiful depths of the human of human incarnation, which is to, you know, watch a sunset yeah. with your beloved while your kids are so, you know, playing, fighting, laughing, whatever they're doing. To me, that's, that's it. I agree. I, but how... Ha- how, how do we lose our way? Because I, I, I tend to think that I think that's maybe how people used to live, mm-hmm. right? Well, and I mean, how people, it depends how far back you go. Mm. I mean, if you think about how we used to live, it was much more aligned with what I'm talking about. Exactly. You know, when men could actually hunt and gather. Yes. Now that energy goes into a lot of aggression, yeah. right? And, and all of this distraction for men where they're not mm. actually in their bodies and able to explore dominance in healthy ways or that hunter-gatherer yeah. instinct in healthy ways. And, so, so, I mean, this kind of brings to the idea of, you know, masculine and feminine kind of mm-hmm. energy. And, um, you know, obviously there's been different things that happened through, especially in the last 50 years, mm-hmm. which I think has um, kind of skewed how 
people understand themselves is masculine and feminine and men don't know their place anymore mm-hmm. because fe- you know females are being too masculine and mm-hmm. um so men don't know how to show up and then mm-hmm. it just becomes this, this vicious kind of vicious kind of cycle mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so how do we how, how do we solve that yeah so to answer your other question which is where did we go wrong i think the the ridiculous amount of technology and materialism mm. that the world is flooded in. Yeah. Right. And just the unhealthy and how, capitalism. Levels. The easy access to yeah. everything. Right. It's just made us lazy on every yeah. level. And yeah, like with that masculine feminine piece, it's, it's really so I feel like when men and women are relating to each other, for polarity to be maintained, yeah. for the world to tick along at its highest potential, then women need to be more in their feminine, so more in a space of love, devotion, surrender. And people sometimes get offended, women sometimes get offended when I say that. I'm like, that's the greatest power, like love and devotion and surrender and trust and being able to drop into the body and experience. Mm. There's so much power in that. And then, yeah, there's that masculine side of meditation for more the divine masculine. And, yeah, that structure and logic and action orientation. So really within each of us, even though when we relate to the opposite sex in relationship, I think a woman should be more in her feminine and Mm. the man should be more in his masculine. Within ourselves, I think it should be about 50-50 as much as possible. So so how is that... How is that possible then for – how do you think it, it, it can be the case that we can all, I guess, coexist in that way where um, I'm all for, you know, women having powerful careers and being mm-hmm. world leaders and, mm-hmm. and, and all of that, but at the same time, how can – how can we embrace that or how can we how, so, can, we, how can we be good with that mm-hmm. whilst there is a lack of feminine leadership and, and, and masculine leadership in the world? Mm-hmm. Can those – can that yeah, exist? and I think it's when we realize that, okay, so there is that polarity when it's a romantic relationship. But other than that, working with this 50-50 within ourselves so mm-hmm. that neither the feminine nor the masculine are dominating. But within most people, the masculine is dominating, right? The Either it's the witness in spiritual traditions that's more revered or in non-spiritual traditions it's the action right, Mm. and how much money we have and the future planning and the structure. So if we can all go within ourselves, okay, is that dominating my life? I need more feminine. Or some people are more dominated by the feminine, not many. I think Bali is a place where you see that more than anywhere else, more than I've ever seen it anywhere else, where there is more of that surrender and floatiness and vision and and it's beautiful, but that can be equally as dangerous if it's not balanced. So a practice that I talk to a lot of my students about and that I'm vigilant with is an inner dialogue between my masculine and feminine and where he really listens to her. So she's saying how she's feeling about different things, what's bringing her joy, her visions, her intuition, and he's going, okay, so let's, how can we, how can we make this happen? So they're working as a team, but yeah. my feminine is definitely the one leading. So, so the answer, the answer to the the greater collective is for each of us to do our own inner work mm-hmm. and find that balance within ourselves, mm-hmm. and then it will show up exactly how it needs to in our outer worlds. Yeah, and I think community is a big piece to that because it's mm. fucking hard doing the inner work without people. Like you know, I'm living with six people at the moment. 
I've got a huge community back home in Australia. The community is getting really big here and we need support. We need to, to be around people who have different geniuses than us, you know, and can support us in ways that we can't support ourselves because everyone is so different and a lot of people are trying to do everything on their own. Mm. But if we can come together with our different geniuses, with our different archetypal energies, it's like, you know, I'm definitely in business. I have a very strong warrior, right? And that that sometimes needs to be balanced by the people that I work with who maybe have softer energies, right, in certain situations. Yeah. Or, you know, someone may be very intuitive and have a lot of vision but they find it difficult to implement. So they start working with their own masculine energy to implement and then they attract a physical person who's who's reflecting that energy, whereas previously they're like, why don't I ever have anyone working for me that can help me with this, this and that? So the other side of this is understanding that we live in a reflective universe and as you grow these parts of you up and you start interacting with them with more authenticity, then you're going to attract people I'll into your up. life that, that reflect that maturity. And I think the work for women mm. is maturing their masculine, you know, and really? not getting, oh, not, I think a lot of women have unhealthy masculine yeah, energy, yeah. but not healthy masculine I understand energy. And that's, and that's kind of what I was alluding to before. It's like, uh, am I f- all four women being in, you know, in careers and, and in masculine, tr- what is traditionally masculine roles? Um, I'm all for it, but you can see that a lot of women kind of push the boundaries and take it too far and it's unhealthy and that's They just men... don't know any better, you know. We're not taught how to – even men aren't yeah, – a lot exactly. of men don't know how to be healthy men. I feel like the masculine in women is more immature. You know, yeah. at least you guys, you, you, you have a better idea how to hold space and chill <laughs> and sit back and observe, right? Yeah. Because it's a more accepted posture in men. Um, what's not accepted in a lot of men is having a more uh, extravagant posture yeah. or being more vulnerable or emotional. Yes. And with women... That would be me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of the work I do with men is actually supporting them to feel that yeah. because otherwise they're going to be projecting their feminine outside of themselves and mm. needing a woman to be able to feel alive right. and, and then for they're gonna excitement show up, and for sex. And they're going to show up needy and... Yeah, or just avoidant. Yeah. Needy or avoidant. Everyone's yeah. either, most people are avoidant or needy. Yeah. Because we're missing something in ourselves. Yeah. Right? And so when that becomes obvious, we either avoid it or we want more of it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. Well, whilst we're on this topic of, um, you know, finding love within uh-huh. ourselves, and um, you work with single people as well, I'm, I'm guessing. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, that's a, probably a big part of what uh-huh. you do. Like people yeah. are really feeling like, they want to um, attract, you know, love and life mm-hmm. partner, mm-hmm. And, but they know that there's work that they need to do for themselves, right? Mm-hmm. What, what are the, like, what, what's the, the commonality that you see amongst everybody or most people that you work with in that, that regard? That they're so focused on the external yeah. that they... It's hard not to get attached to the, the ideal of, you know, I, I want to... Because, you know, we're also taught to you know, visualize and do all this. And then we kind of get attached to this idea of, mm-hmm. oh, this is what I want my perfect partner to be like. And it becomes an attachment, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But then that's an external thing. So my number one advice is take all the focus off the external. Yeah. Bring it here and check it out. Check mm. out what this inner union is. You know, this is the person you're going to spend the rest of your life with. 
the only person that you're guaranteed to spend the rest of your life with. So start dating, mm. <laughs> get engaged, eventually get married. You know, I've ha- I have an inner union marriage ceremony with myself at least twice a year where mm. I renew my vows wow. and, and feel into what would be your ultimate partnership. Can you be that for you? So, yeah. you know, a lot of people who make these lists of what they want but in they a man can't, or a woman. they can't be it for themselves. It's for like, it. are you all that, you know? So reflective universe. Yeah, and, and I mean, I, I look at that as also having integrity with yourself. It's like that's doing what you say you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, part of that is also opening to what you deserve, of course, and we, we want that in physical manifestation. And something that's helpful is to know whether you're more avoidant or more anxious attachment. Yep. And if you're more avoidant, lean into love when you want to lean out. Yep. If you're more of a love addict or anxious attachment mm. style, lean out when you want to lean so, in. Well, I think what we're referring to here is the, the common attachment styles, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. So there's what, three or four of them and then there's a secure one. Mm-hmm. right? So how do, how do people find their way to being secure? Well, it's it's... Feeling a safe foundation within yourself, a strong Mm. center within yourself, which then once you're in a relationship, you can have that strong center with that person. Okay, here we have a safe foundation from which I can go and have my independence, but then we can also come back and support each other and celebrate together and be there for one another through the challenges. So it's interdependence. We're not so independent. We're not dependent. And... To if, if as children we grew up in environments where we felt safe, we could also go off and explore, but we also felt safe and our needs were met, then we would all be securely attached. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm just kind of reflecting on, on my journey and um, my thing was definitely anxious. So, mm-hmm. you know, if I was in a situation where I didn't feel like I was getting a response I needed or whatever, I, I would get anxious. And then as I started doing a lot of personal development a long time ago, I started having awareness of this and it's like, okay, I can feel the trigger coming coming on and I have very good awareness. And then it's just the quicker you can catch that, right? And then that's kind of been my journey is like, okay, slowly I've figured out, oh, that's there. Oh, now I can see that. And then it just becomes so quick. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, that's there. Okay, gone. Mm-hmm. Move, move mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Move on. Mm-hmm. It's not going to sit with me. Mm-hmm. So, and are you now attracting women who can really be there for you? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, great. Yeah. And awareness is everything, you know. If we can catch something before it escalates, yeah. that, that's always the key. Well, it's one thing to have the awareness of it. It's another thing to then be able to elegantly um, deal with it. Yeah, well, we need to meditate on it. And we, yeah. need, we need that meditation, especially if you're a woman, to include an element of primal expression or Mm. you know express and release because I know for me when I became aware of the attachment styles you know I was definitely anxious attachment and I I knew all the principles so I was acting avoidant because I'm like oh well you know I don't want to be anxious and then I would end up yeah being the opposite being avoidant until I really started to allow the emotions to vibrate through my body and just check out what they needed. So I stopped being anxious, but suddenly I was able to ask for what I needed. Mm. And I think that's key. And I think there's also a way to have, have that awareness without the judgment. So it's Mm -hmm. like catching it when it's there, Mm -hmm. it comes up so I can catch it, but I don't have, there's there's not a charge. There's not a charge between it. I can, Mm -hmm. it's like the observe being the observer and seeing it going, Mm -hmm. Oh, that's there. All right. Let me, 
let me sit on that. Let me ponder on that. Let me meditate on that. Let mm-hmm. me work through that and just. But then the feminine side of that is we're only as needy as our unmet needs. So mm. when we actually let ourselves feel what's underneath that and go beyond just witnessing, witness, yeah. But then what's the energy and emotion underneath that? What's underneath that? What's underneath that? And there's a neglected child underneath that yeah. often. So when I actually started letting her feel, I'm like, wow, you know, what, what does that even need? And it's so important. And, you know, I still do this and probably 70% of the time it's a need that I can give myself. But 30% of the time I need to set a boundary or I need to say to someone, hey, I'm feeling disappointed. I need you to be um, on time when we, when we organize to go out together. That would make me feel cherished. And it's okay to say that. But, you know, when we're avoidant or attachment, we're in fight or flight. When we're in secure attachment, we're able to set healthy boundaries and ask for what we need yeah. because we're actually vibrating our emotional body yeah. and listening and to what's underneath exactly. it. Exactly. And what you're describing there is articulating much better than what I was saying before of without the charge. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Release yeah. the charge. Yeah, exactly. And because some people, they don't have the charge anymore when they've meditated, but they still have the tension point. They still mm. have the knot. So then they're just cleverly controlling their lives, which is what, which is what I was doing. So I know that one well. Yes. I mean, it's a long discussion. Yeah. It's getting a bit more complex. Well, that's why I say the work just keeps on going. It just keeps on going. And, uh, and because once we start actually vibrating the emotion and giving it sound and movement, Kundalini is awakening, number one. Mm. And number two, we start to enter the unconscious more deeply and of course you can go to unconscious places when you meditate but bringing in that vibrational resonance through the body or the song right the song doesn't always have to be pretty there's like this this holy darkness that you go to where the mind is completely let go and the body has taken you into memories that you've been able to expel from the nervous system and then actually experience a recalibration where you're actually now open to getting what you need well yeah. That's powerful. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the work that you do with people. Obviously, you run um, regular events and mm-hmm. uh, retreats and mm-hmm. um, I'm guessing you're doing personal coaching and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So what's the most powerful kind of thing that you do? Is it bringing the, bringing the people together in a it's retreat? It's really or? what people feel drawn to. Some people mm. work better in retreat environments, some people one-on-one. So I always say, you know, like, trust yourself. If I, if I don't know them, trust yourself what you feel called to. I think for strong trauma, sexual trauma, physical abuse, um, repeated soft trauma around relationships, private sessions yep. is, is, is always going to be so supportive. But, you know, a retreat environment where you're interacting with people and actually receiving touch like we need touch what? we need love we need authentic communication so when you're experiencing that and as a community it's I, amazing i sort of think there's something to be said for a group of people coming together with their own vulnerabilities uh-huh definitely something really to be said for that yeah. so it's all amazing you know yeah. and it's really just about where people feel more more called to yeah cool yeah so um i've got one final question for you but before i do that just want to say thanks very much for coming in and mm, um, thanks, for, having thanks me. for the awesome work that you're doing it's really really um interesting and and powerful and i actually think it's very very important for the direction of humanity i, mm-hmm. I think you know as as uh as humans we've got a only move in that direction, which is we've got to um, connect back to nature and mm-hmm. we've got to connect back to what is nature for us, mm-hmm. which is all the things that 
you know, we're talking about here mm-hmm. um, and connecting back into that most powerful source energy. Um, in and, most- and as you say that, it just gives me another definition of Tantra. Well, literally, you know, the definitions are to weave and you brought up mm. weaving at the beginning of this and also Tan and Tra is instrument of expansion. So Tra mm. is instrument, Tan is expansion. But then another definition is, as you say, essential nature is anything that's not your essential nature. Yeah. The practices of Tantra are giving them an opportunity to be released, yeah. right? So when we make love, orgasmic energy is this healing modality that pushes out whatever isn't love. Mm. When we express and release and we move and we start to touch and communicate more authentically and have beautiful Body work and tantric massage, again, anything that's not love is being released. And then we're calling in what is love and we're experiencing that through actually being together and feeling what it's like to have deep presence with someone Mm. and deep intimacy. Yeah, very powerful. And uh, one of the common themes that comes up in just about every conversation in some manner or form is presence, Mm -hmm. you know, through Mm -hmm. any any manner of conversations. It Mm -hmm. it always comes back to that. and look, I'm just a business guy, you know. So for me to be talking about presence every, every, every session, every uh-huh. one of these podcasts, uh-huh. it's pretty important stuff. So uh-huh. thank you very much for the work that you do. And one final question: um, mm-hmm. If you had the one-time superpower mm-hmm. of being able to connect one message with all of humanity, what would that one message be? Feel more, think less. Mm. <laughs> It sounds it's all here. It sounds it's all here. Simple. The wisdom of the body, the heart. You yeah. Know. I mean, that sounds simple, but that's profound in because that there's unlimited depth to to that. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, and and you know, the offset to that is have a practice that supports you to grow in your capacity yeah. to be with sensation, to be with feeling, to be with experience. Awesome. Yeah. So, how do people find you? What's the best way? Instagram, mm-hmm. website. Yeah, Instagram and Facebook, Embodied yep. Awakening. I'll make sure everyone's got the links. Click on the yeah. links. And we've got lots of free blogs, podcasts, amazing resources. Yeah. Yeah, as well as events and sessions. So check it out, see what you're drawn awesome. to. And you run events here in Bali and in Australia as well. Well, Australia I can't even well, get to at the moment. Yep. Bali for now, usually internationally. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, guys, thank you so much for tuning in and uh, see you next time back down the rabbit hole. Make sure you go check out Chantelle Raven and uh, all the amazing work that she's doing. Guys, see you soon. Yeah.